You're listening to the Boss Business of Surgery series, episode 80. Today, I talk with Dr. Whaley Gray. She is the Dare to Dream physician. Do you think that you're living the life that you always imagined? What if there's a life you could be living, but you're shutting down the option because you haven't tapped into your imagination? Today, she talks about the three questions we should be asking ourselves to have the life we've always wanted. This is a very powerful episode. And... In less than a month, Become the Boss MD book is coming out. Go to BossSurgery.com for more information. Welcome, surgeons. Residency didn't teach us everything we needed to learn to be a successful surgeon. While we spent our time caring for patients and learning how to operate, we didn't learn how to advocate for ourselves or navigate our career. I'm your host, Dr. Amy Vertries. I'm a general surgeon, certified coach, and founder of the Boss Business of Surgery series. This is where you'll learn those lessons not taught in residency. Welcome back. I'm here today with Dr. Whaley Gray. She is the Dare to Dream physician, and she has so much to offer about, you know, what what is more to life than all the things we've been telling ourselves? You know, just before we started recording, we were talking about the compare and despair concepts and all these things that we do to make our life miserable. She has created her mission in life is to let us get out of our own way, start daring to dream, and really starting to allow ourselves the richness of life. And so I'm so excited. She's here to talk about her three questions that she asks herself and and offers us to ask ourselves so we can really understand like the true depths of life. And so I'm really excited for all that you have to offer. So Dr. Gray, tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for for that introduction, um, Dr. Amy. And I am so excited to be here. Um, you, I've interviewed you on my podcast before and, um, you know, such an amazing conversation that we had. So I can't wait to talk to you today. And one of the things that I said when, you know, when, when we were interviewing on my podcast is I said, I have a special place in my heart for surgeons. Um, they're, they're just such amazing people. I love their craft. I, I just have such an appreciation for it. Um, so I'm a practicing um, sleep medicine physician in rural Vermont. I'm a hospital employed physician. Um, and, but um, my previous life, my, my primary specialty is actually anesthesia. Um, so I, you know, worked a lot of surgeons in in my um, in, in my residency. And um, but not only that, when I was in medical school, I actually, you know, loved surgery. Like I was so enamored with that rotation um, and seriously considered going to surgery. And but I was one of those people when they said, if you can think of doing anything else in your life <laughs> that's not surgery, then go do that. So I did take that advice to heart. But as a result, I just, you know, I, I love the OR, I love the craft of surgery, and I have such a high regard and appreciation for surgeons. Um, so Couldn't do of, it without um, you. So, so I mean, <laughs> you had to choose to be the anesthesiologist, because you can't all be surgeons. Good grief. You do the hard stuff. We do the easy stuff. <laughs> we keep them alive when we do stuff. <laughs> So, so, um, so yeah, so that's my background and I am, um, married with, um, three kids, um, ages six, nine and 13 at the time of this recording. Um, and actually I'll just, you know, very quickly tell you my story. You know, I was, um, even though I thought that I was, my life was going to be okay. Cause I didn't pick surgery. Um, my burnout started actually, um, shortly after I graduated medical school because, um, uh, my husband and I. Um, we got married in my fourth year of medical school, 
And as I was matching, um, as I was, you know, selecting places to put on my match list, um, I started feeling really nauseous. And I was like, what's going on? Um, well, it turned out I was pregnant <laughs> and we were <laughs> expecting in um, October of my intern year. And that was like the first earth shattering thing because I was always more of a like, let's follow the path kind of person, you know, and and the path was really not, you know, getting pregnant for your intern year. So um, Isn't it funny how life has its own plans? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it was an adventure. We survived. And I think that was a lot of survival mode that we did, you know, my husband and I starting um, as an intern. Um, and, and so, you know, as part of survival, doctors are really good at surviving. But, you know, eventually burnout can catch up to us. We get overwhelmed. We sort of, you know, I was really good at doing the things. I'm like, I show up to work. I can pass these tests. I can study. Um, but I really put my life on the back burner, even, you know, with with a, a baby <laughs> as an intern and throughout residency. And so um, so I did make it out on the other side of burnout um, several times. Um, you know, I had another burnout and what I call a midlife crisis um, about five years into my um, attending, you know, my, my attending hood. Um, and, and actually that's when I discovered life planning. Um, and I um, was kind of questioning, like, should I even go into medicine? And, but the reality is, and what I learned after this whole, you know, sort of painful inquiry is that I absolutely love being a doctor and yes, you know, I should go into, I should have gone into medicine. That was the right choice for me. Um, but there are things about medicine that's a challenge for all of us, right? You know, the the um, the sort of the practice management side, the the feeling loss of autonomy, loss of respect, you know, all of those things. And I have to say, you know, um, now I'm seven and a half years into being an attending, um, and a couple years after I had that, you know, sort of crisis in, in my early attending um, career, and. Um, and I'm at the same job. I'm actually happier than ever. I'm. I love going to work every day, and I, you know, I, I just feel like um, I am living the dream. Um, and and I didn't get there, you know, without without a bit of um, work, um, and both you know internally and externally. Um, and so that's so it all started actually with these three questions that I love to you know share with your audience. And I think it's especially relevant for surgeons. Um, because you guys have dedicated so much of your life to to the craft of surgery. Um, you you've you know just spent so much energy and time, and um, probably at different points of this training in your career, you have put your life on the back burner. And and so you know if if that's been the case, you know today is the day you know for you to really start thinking about what is it that you really want out of your life. And surgery could be a very important part of it, but. I, I guarantee that there are other parts um, that that we all want to discover and cultivate. And so let's go into the three questions, if that's yes. okay. I was just thinking too, you know, when we have these episodes of like burnout or big things happening in life too, I mean, there's this, this whole generic concept of never waste a crisis. You know, we could get, we could get stuck in a crisis, but really what these happen or why these happen is that it allows us to pause for a minute and really reflect and see. So I know a lot of people are feeling, you know, it, medicine itself feels like it's in crisis. And I think these questions have a lot of clarity to offer us um, or that we can, the questions allow us to offer clarity to ourselves 
about really what we want out of life too. So in that respect, you know, I think that this pause and, you know, the great resignation and the staffing shortages, I think what it is, is everyone is in kind of an existential crisis and we have to figure out what we're going to do next. Um, So I'm really excited to offer some clarity for this. So take us through, so there's three questions. Let's talk about the first one. Yes. Um, and I want to just say one um, response to what you just said. One of the, I, I didn't make up this quote, but I, I love this quote. Um, I heard a doctor recently share their sort of burnout story. And um, they, they said this sentence, which I loved, which is, I made my worst day into my best day. Yes. And that's exactly it. You know, like something horrible could happen. Like you could have, you know, like a complication or um, get fired from your job. But, you know, you you have the power to make your worst day of your life into the best day of your life by just what you decide to do. And I heard something similar too, where, um, you know, you think your life is pretty good and, you know, just simply asking yourself, what if this is only a two out of 10 on the scale? This is Brooke Castillo. She's like, you know, you think you're having a great day. What if this is like the lowest end you're going to have? Because then we start expanding, you know, our mind of thinking that maybe there's actually Maybe life could even be better than that, too. So we start really seeking out the possibility that life could be great and we want to be even better than we ever thought. That is so true. And that's that's really using our imagination. And and as doctors and especially as surgeons, you know, we're, we're, we're often using the left side of our brain. And so let's so so for this episode, let's let's imagine and use the right side of our brain. So. Question number one is a fun one. So the the three questions in life planning, um, question number one is, I want you to imagine that you are financially secure, that you have enough money to take care of your needs. And if you're, you know, feeling like you're, you're, you have to, um, you're responsible for others in your family, you know, for them too. Now and in the future, the question is, how would you live your life? Would you change anything? Let yourself go. Don't hold back on your dreams. Describe a life that is complete, that is richly yours. I love this because I mean, I and I know that you know this too, but you know what always gets in our way is that we worry like I won't have enough money. I don't know what to do. You know, all these thoughts that come up in our mind that block us from really imagining the possibility of what our life could be like. And so when you pose this question to people, what are some of the responses that you get? Yeah, yeah, this is, and and by the way, this also happens to people, this, you know, this is the next important exercise, even for people who are financially secure, because the reality is even, it's like, when is enough enough, you know, is a million, two million, three million, five million, seven million, like it, so you could get into this space where it's like, it's never enough, and you never get to even imagine this question because you're so you're spending so much energy on thinking well will i have enough um so that's why because like everyone implies that there's a certain number in the bank that we would feel reassured and there is no question in my mind that there is no magic number that will make someone reassured that they have enough it is a it's an evolutionary concept that we always must you know protect and have extra and so we're always going to have the urge to have more so recognizing that's normal and then being able to put it aside and assuming that what i have now is enough then that allows us to get past that because otherwise we just can't get past it because we'll never allow ourselves the possibility for still thinking that yeah yeah, and I, I I think for most people, you know, they 
they when, when they can let that fear go and just even imagine what that life would be like oftentimes you know there's there's going to be more time that they want to spend with their loved ones you know to cultivate the relationships that always you know that they already value but maybe have put on the back burner because they're they have this you know been having a money scarcity um and um and then you know so so along with that you know working less or working more on their terms um working spending um spending time on on the tasks at work that they actually really enjoy um and maybe less of you know the charting and the the other things that they may not enjoy as much um and i think you know being bolder just you know being like speaking up or um, you know, like there, there's sometimes as physicians, there are things that are happening, especially if you're working in corporate medicine, there are things that are happening at work where you feel like you have an opinion and, and you, you have a vision of, you know, what it should be like, but you're afraid to speak up because you're like, well, my job is on the line. You know, <laughs> if I speak up and I get fired, then, you know, there goes my salary, um, and my benefits. And so, yeah, so that, um, so, so yes, all of, all of those things. Okay. Now, so what about the second question? Take yeah. Okay. So the second question, um, this time, so just a warning, it gets a little bit more serious. So this time you visit your doctor who tells you that you only have five to 10 years left to live. The good news is that you won't ever feel sick. Um, the bad news is that you will have no notice of the moment of your death. What will you do in the time that you have remaining to live? Will you change your life? And how will you do it? And just um, as a clarification, this doesn't assume question number one is still true. Question number two is just, you know, your current financial situation. But now you have this additional piece of information knowing that there is limited time. Yes. It asks ourselves a better question because, you know, as long as we're still asking ourselves, you know, do we have enough? Because I think that going from question one to question two is basically we're still thinking that there's limitations. And it's kind of the insistence like, no, 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 seriously, you do not have limitations. Start thinking about what you really are going to do. Um, I saw this great riddle the other day that said, um, what is the difference between time and money? Mm. Yeah. We know how much money we have. We yeah. don't know how much time. Yeah, true. Right. And at the end of someone's life, you know, I, I my, my father recently died um, and I was, you know, there to, to be with him at the last six weeks of his life. I was like, you know, by his side and um, and and that 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 just I mean, I knew that to be true, like even before seeing one of my loved ones die. But I mean, you, you know. At, at, on on your deathbed like people do not wish for more money they they wish for more time yes now so in this question it defines how much time and why do you think it's important for defining the amount of time you know just as as a guideline i think there's this we go on most most people go on sort of in our day-to-day -day life with this assumption um it's like an operating assumption that we have unlimited time I mean, it's it's probably more true like when we're teenagers, but even like when you hit your 20s, 30s, 40s, I, honestly, even 70s, okay, because I, you know, I, I've seen the reaction of, you know, my my loved ones, you know, when they get like a cancer diagnosis. Um, and so I, most of us just have this operating assumption that we have unlimited time, like we don't go to bed. I mean, and in some ways, it's, it's protective, right? Like it helps us function because you might get so 
um, engulfed and like, oh my gosh, when am I going to die that you can't function in the day? But, but there's also something to be said about an appreciation of we all have limited time. You know, if we go to bed one night, like that is one less day because life is limited. We are finite beings. And so I, I think, you know, putting a number on it, that's something that we can imagine. Because even like if we say 20 years, it's quite hard for us to really fathom. I mean, now that, you know, we're old enough, so I can remember easily stuff from 20 years ago, but the, the older we get, the more we, you know, kind of appreciate, you know, like, hey, my hair is turning gray. <laughs> like there's, life is, is limited, but it is still a very hard concept for human beings to sort of like understand. It really is. And um, so what are the, some of the things that come up when people, like when you pose this question to them, what are some of the things that people um, decide to do? Yeah. Um, you know, it's very similar to question number one, except they, you know, but then they'll say like, they'll focus less on the money. And it depends on, you know, where that person is. Because some people are still at kind of at the wealth building stage where, you know, they may be in a lot of debt, they may even have like a negative net worth. But even, you know, but even then they'll say, okay, I'm gonna, you know, um, put less away or like stop putting away for retirement. It's not to say that we should just, you know, after we answer this question, we should all stop our investment and savings rate. But there, there is something to be said about the balance, right? Because there, we all know of people who died in their 40s and 50s, and they sort of, you know, were waiting to live their best life when they retire, and and they never got to retire. Um, so it's it's a balance um, that I, you know, we all have to sort of figure out for ourselves and answer for ourselves. But that thought experiment is so important of, and not just a thought experiment, but really a heart experiment, you know, where, where this is really a heart center exercise because it, it, you kind of have to really feel that to, to start, um, to, to start feeling the, to be able to answer these questions. Yes. And you have to overcome a lot of your thoughts about, especially like money and things like that is, you know, we think money as the accumulation of something and therefore something to compare to. Um, but at the same time, like money, we want money for what it has to offer us, whether that's security or travel or all the things. And there's a great book that I just read recently. Um, I think it's Bill Perkins of Die With Zero, um, which yes, I love that book. a great concept because, you know, I mean, when we're younger, we're basically accumulating this because it, you know, money to us means safety and security. And, you know, once you reach midlife, you know, you can be relatively secure, especially with us as physicians. We've already, like all the things that we've invested in have, you know, allowed these transferable skills. So we can, you know, we have generated our own security. We are our own safety net. But as long as we're sort of wrapped around this concept of money and holding on to it, we're not using it for what we could be using for. And his his book, and it sounds like you're uh, familiar with it, which is basically like you have money so you can have the life that you want. So you might as well start doing it now. Your kids need that money now. The charity needs that money now. You know, you don't need to die with it. Like you should have yes. your money, assign it, you know, and you need a budget also says like every dollar has a job. So when you get money, each of those dollars has a job. This is for charity. This is for kids. This is for my enjoyment. Like we're actually allowed to enjoy it. And I imagine this speaks to you because of all the travel that you do. <laughs> so I, I love that book. That book so resonated with me. And and I do, I mean, and, and it goes very well with life planning. Um, and so I, I think I read it maybe six months ago. And, um, and I'm like, oh, I'm already living this. Of course, you know, reading it sort of gave me a better idea. I mean, the really interesting thing is, you know, when, when we talk about money, and we talk about life, 
everyone is somewhere on this spectrum, right? So there's like the people who, uh, and you know, maybe there are less physicians in this category, but there are physicians who are in this category where they're they're sort of like living on debt and and it's sort of like they they've you know totally understand that you know um, what is it? You only live once, right? So like putting every and and so that's true. If you're dying tomorrow um, and you have like a million dollars in debt, if someone were able to loan you that much, like and you enjoy that money, like yeah, you you did that was like a success, right? But the problem is we don't know when we're going to die. And so most physicians probably lie more on the other end of the spectrum, which is, oh, well, let me save. Like, I want to make sure that I, you know, I want to make sure everything is secure in the future. Like, you know, we're so good at delayed gratification through our training. And, um, and so it's just like continually putting off like things that we really want in our life um, so that we feel more secure um, through saving and, you know, investing and all of those things. And so what I think, you know, this, what, what the thesis of how, what I want to sort of educate physicians on is to really understand yourself, to, to, to really know what you want and then figure out where on the spectrum you are. Like, cause you might be doing some of these things based on like your family origin habits, right? So like, Hey, if your parents were savers, like you do that, if your parents, you know, tend to go into credit card debt, like that was normal for you. So maybe you had a tendency to do that. And, and, and some of it may just be sort of our personalities, but to really be intentional about where we want to be on this spectrum. Um, and, and by the way, I mean, the author of Die With Zero was like a billionaire. So um, it, it's, it's, you know, so he, of course, like, but it, it, this, what, what he talks about is, is applicable to every single human being, no matter what their net worth is. Um, but the name is so provocative in that book, um, like Die With Zero. I, I think for me, the thesis of that book is more, figure out what is it that you want out of life and use money as a tool to do it. And, and don't delay, don't wait until you die. Like don't think that if you die and you have this huge pot of money that it will go towards the intentions that you have. Um, and so that's, you know, exactly why I, you know, try to help physicians, you know, figure out what is it that they want in this life because we only live once. Um, and this is, you know, and that doesn't mean to just, you know, like splurge and spend money, but to spend money intentionally in a way that brings you fulfillment and satisfaction and joy. Yes. And I know this, um, you know, with the second question, having five to 10 years, it's a little bit longer than this, but you know, a lot of us are midlife and I'm going to read this quote from Brene Brown, which I think was great talking about midlife where she, cause money is not the only thing that holds us back. You know, this is her quote, I'm not screwing around. All of this pretending and performing, these coping mechanisms that you've developed to protect yourself from feeling inadequate and getting hurt has to go. Your armor is preventing you from growing into your gifts. I understand that you need these protections when you were small. I understand that you believed your armor could help you secure all the things you needed to feel worthy and lovable, but you're still searching and you're more lost than ever. Time is growing short. There are unexplored adventures ahead of you. You can't live the rest of your life worried about what other people think. You were born worthy of love and belonging. Courage and daring are coursing through your veins. You were made to live and love with your whole heart. It's time to show up and be seen. I think that's what that second question speaks to me. Yeah, no, that that's, that's, it's, you know, such a great quote and, and Bre Brene Brown is so eloquent, you know, and, and sort of capturing everything, especially sort of from like a therapist point of view. Yes. Um, yeah, that that's, that's it, though. I mean, that that sort of hits all the different points. And and I will say that after doing these exercises, and after going through the sort of the process of, of life planning, which really was 
sitting down, reflecting, you know, I, I did, you know, have a sort of a life planner do it with me, but it's not that it's not these exercises we can do on our own as well. Um, I, I, I did become more true to myself. Like I actually forgot who I was. And I think a lot of doctors, especially surgeons can really relate to this. You know, we're in training for so long and um, we've been sort of going after like, you know, this test and that test and, and this this application and that application. And then finally, you know, at the end of the 10, 15 year tunnel, we forgot who we really were. Like we've just kind of become a product of the achievements that we've done, but we have we, like, we forgot who that person was, who was underneath. And, and doing these reflective exercises and going through life planning really helped me discover, remember who I was. I actually went back and looked at my medical school essay, like the essay that I wrote to apply for medical school. And I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot who she, I, I really forgot that person. I'm like, I would like to, <laughs> I would like to meet her again. And, yeah. um, and that's actually what I've spent a lot of, you know, this year doing, um, which is, well, you know, I, I um, you mentioned like travel, like that was something that I, it was travel um, in college that helped me decide that I wanted to go to medical school. It was like meeting people on my travels. I, tra I traveled to different continents um, a lot of times on my own in college. And it was, I, I wasn't, um, I was not pre-med, um, but, you know, it was like meeting different people throughout my travels and realizing I really love, you know, connecting with humans. And I was an astrophysics major, so I liked the sciences. And then it was like sort of marrying the two medicine was marrying sort of that that science um, uh, mindset along with sort of this humanistic um, way of you know just interacting with the world and it so appealed to me and that's why I decided to go into medical school but I totally forgot that <laughs> throughout my you know long training and um, and and I I think that you know this year I'm sort of just discovering that part of myself and it's it's quite countercultural like I actually you know for 2023 I'm you know I'm I'm still employed in my job like I said I haven't changed anything in my job um, aside from you know some of the maybe work conditions that I advocated for like getting a scribe but um, you know aside from that I I am um, I so I'm working at the same job but I have six and i do have some pto from from all the years that i didn't um saved up like extra that's carried over but i have six trips planned outside of the continental us you know for the year 2023 and i'm sort of halfway into that and you know having like this amazing experience with my family going on all these travels and um it's just you know who i am like in, in I'm, I'm sure that some other colleagues at work could say, oh, what is she doing? Like, is she even being a doctor? Like people could have all sorts of thoughts, right? About like what I chose to do. Um, and it really doesn't matter because I, you know, I'm living life through the fullest and the way that I feel resonates with me at this moment. And, um, and you know, so, and it, it's not taking away from my work as a doctor. Like, in fact, you know, it enriches what I do in medicine. Cause when I come back from a trip, like I feel more energized to, to, to connect with patients, to be able to give them the best care. Um, and so I may not do this for the rest of my life, you know, go have six trips out um, every year, but it's, it's, it's an experiment too. You know, it's like, I'm like, is this gonna, is this, is this a good thing? Like, do I love this or am I so tired of traveling that I want to stop so far? I'm loving it. But it's but we can all sort of experiment on our own like it's figuring out what is that you want and being like hmm i wonder like how would that be like um and then and then go try it because that's that's you know that's why we're alive i mean because if you yes. um if you're if, if this is your last day of being on this earth like you can't 
try those things. You know, you may not have time. There's going to be a time in your life when there may not be time to do the things that you really want to do. And that's why I see this second question when you have five to 10 years is I think the solution or the reason why that it works is that you're dropping a lot of the opinions of other people, you know, so you're listening to less opinions of other people and, but you still have time to do something to try and experiment and, and do different things because you really are like, oh, okay, I see the end in mind. And so I really need to just, you know, do this right now and drop all the things that are holding me back. Now, so let's go to question number three, because this is when it gets real. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Question number three. So this time, your doctor shocks you with the news that you only have one day left to live. Notice what feelings arise as you confront your very real mortality. Ask yourself, what did I miss? Who did I not get to be? What did I not get to do? I love that. You know, who did I not get to be? Uh, and that to me says like all the things that we've been trying to do, we're trying to create this persona, you know, and are we really happy with the persona that we have created now? I mean, we, when we have the opportunity to look back and say like, am I who I was supposed to be? And, you know, if the answer is yes, that's great. But I think a lot of times you know, what comes up for us is what we could be doing, which of course gives us direction where to go next. Yeah. And the reason why we take people here in these reflective exercises is, and, and you know, it, it says it in the, in, in the prompt right there, like notice what feelings arise. Because I think most of us, um, we just push our feelings aside because we're like, well, I want to be functional. I need to get through the day, you know, so we're like, there's no room for feelings. But when it really comes to what, what is it that you want out of your life, it's the feelings that are actually telling the truth. So you might go through the day and you might be like, yep, I'm doing, you know, like I got this achievement, I got this, and you know, like I'm, um, I got everything I want. But when, when we're on our deathbeds, you know, there, there may be a different truth that comes out, which I think is why, you know, they, they've actually, you know, done, um, like surveys of this, you know, there like been people who work in palliative care and hospice, um, where you know one of the m most common regrets that people have when they're on their deathbed is that you know I I was not bold enough to you know do the things that I really want to do, um, and and so that speaks to exactly the quote that you have from Brene Brown and what we've been talking about here is tap into your feelings now because when you know at the end of our life you know those feelings may come up you know almost inevitably because we're like yeah time is up but you know if you you can so i you know it's interesting because i always had a little bit of anxiety about dying and i actually i used to just sort of push it aside like that's not helpful um like even like you know when when i'm driving on like there's a lot of narrow roads in vermont you know and sometimes there's like a huge tractor trailer that comes on the other side and you're you're not very far away from them um, and, you know, like sometimes like they come a little close to me and I just have a little bit of like, I um, almost feel like the fear in my hands as I'm like holding on to my steering wheel. And, um, and some of us may have had, you know, even come into like accidents or like near death experiences, right, where we maybe didn't get hurt, but like, we're like, oh my gosh, you know, my life flashed <laughs> in front of my eyes. But that like, I, I think it's good for us to embrace a little bit of that fear of death. Um, because that will help us. And as long as we use it to help us figure out 
you know, how do we want to live life today? And that's question number three, really, you know, because it's not about making a list. By the way, I think even when I first read it, I was like, oh, yeah, I have to, you know, update my will. I have to, you know, I, I made it more like a checklist, you know, and that's a very, it's, it's practical. It's practical to do that. But this is more of a heart center reflective exercise where you're like, wait, you know, who did, did I not get to be? Like, what, what did I miss that was really important to me? Um, and, and so a lot of it is about forgetting, like tap into your own feelings, tap into your own mortality um, and the gravity of that. And then the other stuff, like the, the fear of, um, you know, ridicule and the fear of, you know, other people's disapproval, like none of that becomes as important when you really, you know, focus on this. Right. And because like, if you're in your last day, unless you check Facebook or Instagram, you're not even going to know any comparison. Like you're not going to hear anyone's message. (laughs) You really do have to just hear what's internally going on with you. Um, And that, I mean, so much of this is just recognizing that we have all of this within us. And really the only person's opinion that matters is who we truly are and asking yourself, you know, who am I truly? And am I you know, working and becoming the person that I really want to be at the end of my life. So powerful of a question. Um, And it really drops a lot of the things that we don't even realize that are going on with us. I know we talked a little bit about another book that I read recently, um, written by author Brooks called From Strength to Strength, where he talked about the, our natural tendency, you know, there's the compare and despair, which we talked about before. But, you know, this is like, where do we get our satisfaction in life? And, you know, if we are not careful, our satisfaction comes from, you know, always trying to get what we want, but it doesn't last. If you've ever, you know, achieved something and, you know, won an award like that, what's felt so important in the moment fades very quickly. And so to continue that feeling of satisfaction, we have to continually get what we want, uh, which is exhausting. And then success is usually comparing ourselves to other people and, you know, us coming out ahead. Of course, that doesn't last either. So therefore we have to continually do better than everybody else, which of course is exhausting. And even when we do the same things, we don't have the same result. It has to be escalated each time. Um, And the idea that if we lose something, then, you know, that is failure. Uh, Like whether we don't do a case we did before, things like that. We have a loss aversion. These are all well-studied concepts. And his suggestion is, is that when we look at satisfaction and what makes us satisfied is, you know, a formula of what we have divided by what we want. So if you want to increase your satisfaction, then you either, you know, Uh, like more of what you have, or you decrease what you may want. And that is a formula that is sustainable, whereas the other ones that we usually determine for satisfaction and success are not sustainable. And that's, I think, where a lot of our discomfort is, is we're still trying to chase that, uh, that ever speeding up treadmill. And and that is, you know, that that's a great point, which is, you know, know what is it that you really want, right? Like, that's the whole dare to dream, because, a lot of times we think we know what we want. Like we think we, you know, want to get into that residency, get into that fellowship, get into that job, you know, get a certain net worth. But is that really what we want? Like that's maybe what the external world is sort of conditioned us to to um, tell us like, this is what you want. But that's why like, you know, you're chasing like one thing after another and you're continually chasing after these things. But that's not really the essence of what you want. So if you figure out what the essence of what you want by 
doing the reflective exercises and then it you know then you can actually chase after the right things and it turns out that most of the times those things are simpler right yeah. i mean for me when i did my life planning i it was so simple like um i, I just i just wanted to be able to spend time with my kids without feeling like I have a hundred to-do lists in my head and just really enjoying that time. And when that was sort of presented back to me, like as a, like a, as a, um, a moment in time, like six months from now, and the life planner was like, just, you know, describing this moment where I was ha- able to be present with my kids and, and seeing them laugh and sort of, you know, being there with them. Like I started crying, which I don't usually do. <laughs> so it was, I was like, I don't cry in front of strangers and, you know, but it was so touching. Cause that was what I wanted that that was and, and it was simple like it was not like something that I could take a test for or you know like work extra hard for I just had to let go of you know all these other things that I kept holding on to that maybe it was my version of or that I thought it was success but that that wasn't really what I wanted yeah I love this so much and I mean I really appreciate you coming on and sharing with us how we can dare to dream ourselves. Now, I know that anyone who has listened to this is going to want more. So where do they find you? Yeah, so um, I so I was sharing that, you know, I'm, I'm traveling a lot in my current life. That's sort of what like the result of my own life planning and, and how I'm living life to the fullest through traveling. Um, so I would love to um, have you join me on that journey. Um, so if you're a physician, I started a Facebook community for physicians called Dare to Dream Physician Travel. Um, I think the, the group is still searchable, um, but if you can't find it, you can also just DM me. I'm on, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Um, I also have a podcast, um, and uh, it's called the Dare to Dream Physician Travel Podcast. Um, it was just the Dare to Dream Physician Podcast when I interviewed Dr. Vertries, but um, it sort of pivoted a little bit. Um, so feel free to subscribe to that and follow along. Um, and um, lastly, you know, any of the social media channels, but I'm probably the most active on Instagram. So I'm Dream Physician at Instagram. That's fantastic. Well, I know everyone is going to be wanting to dare to dream a little bit more. And I can't wait to hear about all of your travels and all the things that now that you've kind of dropped a lot of the resistance that we typically have, and now you're living your best life too. And, you know, it's great that you're showing us, you know, the way to do that and sharing on your travels too. So Dr. Gray, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you so much for having me. This has been an amazing conversation. I can't wait to share it with um, everyone I know. Me too. (laughs) More later. For more information on the Boss Business of Surgery series, go to bosssurgery.com.